Hey, everybody, it's your host, Nathan French, and this is the Noteworthy Podcast. I'm so excited to be with you. I believe this is going to be one of the greatest episodes we've uh, ever okay. had here. What, 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 excuse me? What are you, Dylan? What are you doing here? Dylan, what Nathan? are you doing on here, bro? What are you doing on here? This is, this is behind the ministry. You, you know that, right? Like, so this isn't for my podcast? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, welcome to Behind the Ministry. Let's get started. It's going to be great. Let's go. Robinson. Today I have a very, 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 very special guest. It's you know it's special with four varies. Uh, brother Nathan French is here today. Thank you, bro, Dylan. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me on the podcast, bro. Of course, absolutely. Of course, you know, being a such a fangirl of your podcast, I had to. Oh had my to get word. you on here. <laughs> <laughs> you crazy, bro, man. That means a lot. Thanks for listening, bro, and. I'm just kicking this off by saying I'm so proud of you for starting a podcast, man. And I loved the first episode. Beyond excited to be the second guest. I know I'm not the first one, but that's okay. <laughs> um, and I'm just super, <laughs> bro, I'm pumped to be here and I'm excited about what you're doing, man. I'm proud uh, of you. I appreciate it. Anyway, stop talking about me. Let's talk about you. Uh, <laughs> okay. All right. Let's do it. Yeah. Stop it. Okay. Um, <laughs> stop. Um, Brother Nathan French, a little couple of facts is he's a songwriter. He is a husband, a father of three kids. Um, he's a preacher. He's student pastor for Apostolic Tabernacle uh, in Jonesboro, and he is one of my favorite people ever. So I am very You're excited. Kind, uh, no, stop. Thank you, uh, he is <laughs> he is uh, definitely one of my favorite. I look up to him. Um, I've looked up to him for a long time since I was little. And um Definitely it's such an honor to have him on the episode today. Uh, how are you doing? That's the first question. Man, I am good. I'm currently sitting in uh, my my daughter Kyla's room, my four-month-old <laughs> baby girl. Yes. So if it looks kind of girly in here on the video <laughs> on your side, that's what's going on. So hanging out in Kyla's room, if you hear, um, if you hear any chaos in the back, that's because... My oldest boys, Judah and Ezra, are in the house, so you may hear some fun <laughs> screaming and fighting in the background, but it's all out of love. And so we're just having a great uh, day, man. Just had a good day trying to get some stuff done and been looking forward to talking to you tonight. So you'll probably hear some craziness, but it's that's just life, man. It'll be. Hey, I'm used to it, you know, oldest of three. So it, you know it's how just, that it's is. Found, it's found to happen. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> yeah. so. Um, you're married to Sister Rachel French. You have yes. three wonderful yes. children. You have Judah French, Ezra French, Kyla French, who was just born four yes. months old. Uh, like you said, uh, how's that been, having a four-month-old in the house? Bro, okay, so I am that dad that always talks about my kids. Oh, and gosh. every time I preach, I have an illustration that involves go. my kids. All right. And my wife. So, like, I truly believe that I married the greatest girl on the planet. I'm so blessed. And my kids are just my, – my wife and kids are my whole life, bro. So I thank yeah. God for them. I always call Rachel the better three-quarters of <laughs> the relationship because some people say the better half. But that would be unfair of me to say that because I'm just like – it. I haven't earned that. So, um, yeah, man, so blessed. Love my family. And Rachel and I have this really cool uh, life together. We get to do ministry together. And um, everything we do in ministry, we get to do it together, which is a huge blessing. We usually get to stand on the same platforms and go to the same conferences. We teach the same youth class. You know, we we lead the same teams and I just couldn't imagine doing it without her. So, yeah, I'm blessed, bro, beyond yeah. blessed. And speaking of, uh, 
obviously this is this is an easy question, but do you enjoy singing with your wife at all these events, or do you always wish that sometimes <laughs> you could have the glory to yourself? But <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so that's a good question. Uh, I when you were sending me some of these questions, I went to Rachel and I said, "I love this question." It says, "Do you like singing with your wife? Why do you?" <laughs> it's an and easy I just question. loved. It. I loved that. <laughs> I loved it. Okay, so I would say I struggle with the exact opposite of of your question is. Um, I never want the glory to myself. I do not enjoy um, traveling by myself. I really hate traveling by myself. Um, there's been a few conferences this year, just since we've had three kids, where I had to do a couple of conferences without Rachel. And that was really strange for me. However, um, in my dazed, confused state there, as a guest, they were so kind to me, and somehow we still had a move of God without Rachel there. But um, I always prefer uh, to lead worship with Rachel. If it's at all possible, that's that's my absolute fave. So I prefer not to do it by myself, but sometimes that's just how it goes. And then Rachel has a couple conferences this year that she's doing without me. So it's just kind oh. of the season of life we're in yeah. that we prefer together. Yeah, that's an easy question. I was just making sure that, you know, your humility was still there. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, checking, checking on yeah, me. I appreciate checking, that, bro. Making sure, because she'll probably listen, so <laughs> brownie points always. Uh, right, absolutely. But that will be, I think, in a whole nother episode. If, you know, people listening, if you'd like to see an episode with Brother Nathan and Sister Rachel, uh, just to learn about, you know, ministry and marriage and how you combine that and uh, to stay strong even through the ministry, so. And that will be an, a whole a whole nother episode for another yeah. time. But uh, today, let's talk about you. Okay, let's first talk about uh, your podcast, which is, you know, okay. actually, to be honest, one of the main reasons I started a podcast oh, is wow. because wow. I listened to yours and I was like, man, he's doing such a good job. And, you know, man. all this all this impact he has. He had like thousands of listeners, you know, over a thousand people on Instagram, which go follow by the way you know just a little self Thank plug you, plug there not self plug but you know follow me too um yeah yes go follow <laughs> behind the ministry yes. um when you first started a noteworthy podcast did you think it would be this successful as it is now or do you even think that it is as successful as you wanted it to sure yeah that's a cool question um so when i started the podcast it was the very end of 2018 it was like november of 2018 and the lord had been dealing with me for a while about starting one and i held off on it for a while because i just didn't have you know all the excuses you have i didn't have the equipment i didn't have the time the content whatever it is you know we if you're like me we tend to make excuses for everything and <laughs> and uh i didn't know if it would be successful or not. I just knew that um, I knew two things that I, that I really wanted to do a podcast because I love listening to them. Uh, and secondly, I knew that I wanted it to be a ministry that I didn't just, just want it to be just another podcast that people tune into right. um, for like a light listen. Even though if you listen to the show, we do have a lot of fun and there's a lot of laughter, but um, there's usually deep, meaningful content. And that's why the show is called Noteworthy. It's It literally kind of boils down to that word where we try to have conversations that are meaningful and, and interesting and maybe even unusual um, to try to dive into topics that people are uh, – that, that maybe they struggle to talk with in their day-to-day -day conversations. So we break that open and just have a great time doing it. Um, so to answer your question, did I think it was going to be successful? I, I really didn't know. I've learned that, that I've, I've learned to stop putting God in my little box of what I think he can do because right. he keeps blowing my mind over and over again. And so right. I've learned to stop doing that. I used to struggle with that and say, well, that probably won't happen because this, this, and this. And I've just learned that 
if God's in something, there's really no limit to what he can do with it. So I didn't know if it'd be successful, but I knew God wanted me to do it. And so um, if I was in his will and I'm doing what he wanted, then I know he would bless it. The second part of your question about, do you think it's successful? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to give you this answer and then I'll explain it in humility after that. The first answer is yes, I do think it's successful. Now, that probably sounds kind of arrogant, and if you know me, I really don't like arrogance, so let me explain what that means. Um, I believe that if one person listens to an episode and it blesses their life, then that podcast is a success. So that's kind of uh, my take on it. If there's somebody out there that is benefited by this, is blessed by it, then it's worth doing. Now, the show has grown a lot bigger than I thought it would. So I didn't really think, you know, Rachel and I, the music thing, it just kind of spiraled and I'm like, wow, God. And so we've learned to just say, hey, you never know what God will do with the song. Right. But with the podcast, you know, almost everybody listens to music. Not everybody listens to podcasts. So you get that feeling of like maybe not as many people will listen. Um, And so the audience isn't as big as the music audience, however, way bigger than I ever would have imagined. And it's really cool when you log in and you see analytics of people from, you know, all these different countries and you get all these emails and, and, uh, I just love that. I love probably my favorite thing about having a podcast Mm -hmm. is one, getting to talk to people like yourself and two, um, getting to hear from the listeners. That's, that's my favorite hands down. So yeah, man, I love it. And as long as God says, do it, I'm going to keep doing it. Uh, and we're going to keep having noteworthy conversations about being behind the ministry. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, <laughs> it's going to be great. I'm excited. <laughs> yes, it's a ministry. It really were there, is. Were there ever moments of of doubt? Were there ever were there ever moments of quitting? Sure. Yes. Okay. So I'll share a funny story with you about this, and I've I've shared it a couple of times with podcasters. Um, however, I don't know if I've ever shared it uh, on, on, on the podcast. But when I, when I started the podcast, I didn't have um, any kind of podcast mic or any kind of equipment, anything like that. And so my second interview, bro, my second interview was with Mark Lee who is yeah. one of my favorite guitar players from the band Third, Third Day. Day. Yeah. And when I reached out to him, I was like, man, I'd love to have you on the podcast. And I really thought he'd say no. And he was like, yeah, bro, let's do it. Come meet me at my country club. And I was like, <laughs> oh whoa. Gosh. So I was freaking out because I had somebody confirm and I didn't even have any equipment to do it. And that's me, bro. I am a dreamer. Like, ask Rachel. It's a problem. (laughs) Like, once God puts a dream in my heart, I chase it, even if I don't have the means to accomplish it. (laughs) And so I'm, like, running to Best Buy. I'm trying to find, like, a blue Yeti USB microphone, trying to learn how to use it so I can meet Mark Lee. And so um, sometimes in in life, uh, when you set out to do something— uh, it can be discouraging because you feel like, man, I don't have the means to do it. And so when I released that episode with Mark Lee, I had this funny vision in my mind of how the po- that episode was just going to blow up um, because <laughs> it's it's Mark Lee and it's third day. And, and um, there was a quick moment, just a little quick moment where the Lord had to deal with me and and that episode didn't get the response that I thought it would. And my flesh said, like the human side of me that cares about numbers and analytics and stuff like that said, well, man, I don't know, like it didn't get the response I wanted. So I'm not sure if, should I keep doing this? Is it worth doing it? Cause it's time consuming. And the Lord really convicted me hardcore, bro. He was like, I told you to do this. It's not based off of how many people listen. 
yeah. uh, what kind of response you think it should be. And when I look back, man, like a lot of times the episodes that people respond to are the ones that I didn't really think anything about. Like, and so if I try to build something up, God will kind of keep it chill. Yeah. <laughs> but if I just let God do what he wants to do, usually that is when he'll blow my mind and it'll reach a lot more people than I thought. So um, I've thought about stopping early on, but once I started getting those messages from people and man, it blows my mind when I go to different states and conferences and they're like, bro, I love your podcast. And I've never met them, know nothing about them. You know, <laughs> that's always so cool to me. Yeah. I, I never get, I never get used to that, and I don't ever want to get used to that. I love, I love getting to hear those stories, and, and it's such a privilege and opportunity to get to speak into people's lives um, that you don't even know and you wouldn't even be connected to if it wasn't for the podcast. So yeah. um, I thought about stopping for a little bit until God slapped me in the back of my head and <laughs> got me straight, and um, we're just keeping rolling, man. And you have to do it because you love it and because – because you feel called to do it. Um, and sometimes we use that word call a little flippantly, you know, mm -hmm. like, right. well, I'm not called to do it. I don't, I don't always believe it when people say that. I think a lot of people are called to do a lot more things than they're actually doing. That's just my personal opinion. Um, right. So if God gives you the means to do it and you love it and it's a passion of yours, it's a creative outlet for me. Um, I love words. I love the scripture. I love stories. I love conversations. So for me, it's an outlet. I, I get a lot out of it. Yeah. That is awesome. Which episode has been your favorite episode? Bro, why you got to do that to me right here <laughs> on the podcast? <laughs> Look, I had to, I'm curious. I thought at first it would be Mark Lee or your 100th episode. Okay, that's my, yeah. That's my, so, that's my opinion. That's what I think, but that's my prediction. So Mark Lee was not my favorite episode because I was very nervous about that whole that whole thing. So right. we were at a fancy country club. You know, it's somebody I've admired for a long time. So I was a little nervous about that one. I... I, I didn't get to enjoy it to the fullest because I was a little nervous. However, um, the hundredth episode, bro, was so much fun because <laughs> <was> so funny. <laughs> had it had, you know, my bros, my mm -hmm. my fellow youth pastors in the trenches, Matthew Faircloth and James Barler. And we got to do the interview together, which a lot of these interviews are remote, like like what you know. As you know, remote interviews are a little yes. different, a little more technical. And um, but getting to all three be in the same room with coffee cups and, you know, three microphones and to have that conversation, that was probably the most fun I had ever had on the show. <laughs> so anytime I can do an interview in person, that yeah. is usually um one of my my favorite uh interviews. Uh, when it comes to remote interviews, man, um, it was really special for me, the interview with Matt Tuttle, because mm -hmm. at NAYC, I got to, you know, when at NAYC, when he broke the rulers, uh, Rachel and I had the privilege of singing that year. And so yeah. they gave all the singers a, a, a ruler, but they gave us yardsticks instead of rulers so we had like these three foot yardsticks yeah and they asked us to take the mic and put it on the yardstick so when we snapped it it'd be really loud and mm. so it was like this thunder crashing and so um since that time i've gotten to know brother the tuttle family and um we've been to their church and things like that but i didn't know him at the time so to get to talk to him about that exchange, you know, being up there with him when that happened and just what God did, that was a special moment for me, bro, because we took those rulers home and we broke them and we put them on bills. We put them on 
you know, we did what they said to do, man, take these things home and, and let's believe God for a miracle. So, man, I gotta, I gotta put that up there in the top three for me just to get to tell him about what his ministry did for me that day and how it blessed me. That was really cool. And one of my favorite things about having a podcast for sure. Yeah, that is so cool. So what has been your most embarrassing moment on the podcast? Oh, man. Um, Embarrassing moment on the podcast. So thankfully, I haven't had like any terrible moments happen. I would say that the most embarrassing things usually involve remote interviews when I'm not with them in person and then you have technical difficulties that really stinks as a podcaster because you just you want to do things well but stuff just happens I mean you know you can be so prepared and then the internet doesn't work like it just is what it is right and so um there was one time when I was interviewing uh brother Landon Gore which he's you know Brother Landon's my friend, so, but a lot of his audio glitched out. I had to edit a lot of it out, and so I called him. I'm like, bro, if I cut something out, it's not because you weren't dropping wisdom. It's just because the, you know, I wasn't like trying to chop up the word of God you were speaking, you know, um, and so that was a little embarrassing. And then I had brother, um, man, I feel like we're going through the archives tonight. But um, I had Brother Wayne Huntley on the show one time, which he's one of my heroes. Mm -hmm. And I was using Skype for remote interviews back then. And it took us about an hour to kind of walk him through like the whole Skype process. So that made me feel kind of bad. I'm like, man, here I am with my one of my heroes. And I'm like, so let's get you Skype set up. And I just felt like I was (laughs) like, you know, I'm like, I know I'm being so annoying to do all this. But at the end of the day, you just know that these people are being interviewed because they have the heart of a servant and they love people. That's why you know who they are usually because they've been living that life of ministry, which is to serve other people. So at the end of the day, people understand what's happening. But um, I also asked uh, brother James Barler an interview question. I said, if you were an animal, what animal would you be? <laughs> I remember and he this. Said, I know the answer. And he said, a dolphin. <laughs> so oh. that was a great moment that started a big moment in history. Uh. So um, lots of fun things. <laughs> a dolphin. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, so that is some awesome. good moments there. All fun memories. Yeah. So... Obviously, you do the podcast, and I know some podcast episodes you interview people, but you also uh, do messages or devotions in your uh, Mm -hmm. episodes, and uh, you also, related to that, you do preaching. You've preached uh, in a lot of places. Um, How long have you had a call um, to preaching? Yeah, so, um, man, first of all, I love preaching, man. I've loved, you know, I'm blessed to have been raised in the church. I was raised on the pew. You know, I I took naps under the pew at my parents' home mission church when I was a kid. Like I was raised in this thing. I love this thing. And so I've always loved preaching. My, my dad, who is my pastor, is an incredible preacher. And, and every pastor I've ever had before this season Um, was just incredible preachers, incredible men of God. And so um, I started feeling a call to preach when I was really young. I was probably, I, I have vivid memories of being in the youth group at Calvary Tabernacle in Indianapolis, Indiana, and Um, hearing Paul Mooney preach, who was my pastor at the time. Now Brother Josh Carson pastors there at that great church, Calvary Tabernacle. And I remember hearing him preach at 12, 13, 14 years old, and I would feel the Lord speak to me. And he would say, you need to listen. I know that your friends aren't paying attention right now, but you need to listen and you need to focus because one day I'm going to use you to do things like this. And I was like, whoa, God, what are you saying? And that would just scare me to death. Absolutely (laughs) would terrify me. Yeah. And I was very musical as a teenager. Music's always been a big part of my life. And Mm -hmm. so 
um, music kind of became a crutch that I leaned on to run from my call to preach for a while. I, um, when I was, uh, just a teenager, I was asked to start leading worship and, and I played acoustic guitar. And so I, I learned to, to sing and lead people in worship at a really young age. And so because I was comfortable with that, um, I used that as my excuse for a while. And when I was 17 years old, I had a moment with the Lord where God told me in an altar, he said, I want to use you in music, but what I'm calling you to is not going to keep you from that. You just need to step in to what I'm calling you to do. And um, I had this weird fear that if I accepted my call to preach that somehow I wouldn't get to be a music guy, which I know Mm. sounds kind of ironic now with the whole (laughs) Nathan and Rachel thing. And I'm super blessed to kind of live in these two worlds of ministry and preaching ministry and music ministry. And I just want to encourage somebody listening that um, giving yourself to one of those callings will not keep you from either one. Mm. Um, if God has called you to do both, he will very much use you in both. And so 17 years old, I told my youth pastor and I told my, my dad, um, that I felt a call to preach. It was the first time I had ever told somebody what God had been dealing with me with since I was 12, 13 years old in the pews at Calvary Tabernacle. And uh, I said, I feel called to preach. And my dad said, well, you should tell your youth pastor. So my story is a little different because I went and I I listened to my dad's advice and I went and I told my youth pastor, I said, brother, I feel a call to preach on my life. And I'm thinking I'll go to him and I'm just setting up the, you know, the future of one day when I'm 20, you know, I'll preach. And one day when I'm 21, I'll preach. And he said, next week, I want you to preach in, um, in our youth service. And so I was like, Whoa, like God, I thought you were just (laughs) like setting me up. I thought you were preparing me. And God told me, he said, I was preparing you. I've been preparing you this whole time. Mm -hmm. And so I preached my first message when I was 17 years old and it was well, let me just say this real quick. I'm trying to tell you the quick version because I know these things can get long, but <laughs> I um, I was terrified to preach, terrified, because I have such a reverence for the delivered Word of God and for the anointing that comes upon a man or a woman when they preach the Word of God. And so I said, God, I fell on my knees, my hands shaking. I knew what God wanted me to to preach and uh, I didn't even know how to make notes. I knew I knew nothing. And I, um, I said, God, if you'll anoint me, I'll preach for you the rest of my life. But if you don't, I'll never preach again. Wow. That's what I told the Lord. And so I went and I preached. And it was probably completely incoherent and terrible and awful, (laughs) but I felt the anointing of God. I Mm. felt God with me. I felt, um, matter of fact, just a a fun point to look back at, my, my voice was shaking because, not because I was nervous, because I had never felt the anointing like that before. It's like... I didn't even know how to harness a feeling like that. I was wow, just that crazy. It, and so it was like God so engulfed me with his presence in that moment that he wanted to assure me that I would keep my promise. You can't say that I didn't anoint you. You couldn't even handle the anointing I put on you. You couldn't even handle it. And so he let me know that through humility that, um, that he anointed me. And so, man, that's what I chase in my ministry. I don't chase, um, you know, I love good sermon titles. I love, you know, great uh, oratory, great preaching wordsmiths. And uh, I want to be those things if I can. But at the end of the day, man, I'm just chasing that feeling 
mm. of when I was 17 years old and I felt the anointing of God. So when I get up to preach, it's all about it's all about that. Just God, I want you to anoint me. I want to feel your presence. I want to know you're with me. And I want to say what you want me to say in this moment. And um, that was a, that was a special thing, man. And I've seen that I'm 31 years old now. And um, I was with Brother Victor Jackson a couple weeks ago in SoCal. And we were eating at a restaurant. And I was leading worship. He was preaching. And he said, Nathan. I said, yes. He said, you want to know what the greatest gift of the Spirit is? I said, bro, I'm just eating my salmon. I wasn't ready for that. Like, why are you, why are you hitting me like that, bro? <laughs> like, I wasn't ready. Like, we're at a restaurant. Church is over. And he's like, you know what the greatest gift of the Spirit is? He said, the one that's needed. Mm. Whatever one that's needed. And, bro, here I am, 31 years old, and that was such a beautiful culmination of what I've been seeking after my whole life that I don't want to impress anybody. I just want to be what is needed. I just mm. want to speak what is needed. So if I get up and I impress one person, but I don't minister to the 99, I've missed it. But if I can get up and do what's needed, a, a timely word, the, the best word is the timely word, the word that's needed. And so um, I can't take credit for that. That's all Brother Victor Jackson. But what a beautiful culmination of, of, of how to encompass what I'm trying to say is that right. that's what ministry is all about. When you preach, when you teach, you get up and you do what's needed. And so sometimes that may be, you know, red in the face and you're anointed and you're talking really loud and you're excited, but sometimes that's not what's needed. You know, when I get, when I get in my youth class, I don't start screaming at them, you know, at, you know, 7:30 PM at a youth breakout. <laughs> what they need is they need somebody to teach them and, and you know, you know what I'm saying? So right. what's the greatest gift, the one that's needed. And so you walk into a room and you say, God, what's needed here. Mm. And that's what it means to serve other people. Absolutely. Wow. What an incredible word. That is amazing. Man, we're just beginning and it's already, I feel, man, I feel goosebumps to the Holy ghost, bro. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Man, Victor Jackson, you know, such an amazing and amazing preacher and incredible, um, man. you've had um, other opportunities to meet other amazing preachers. Um, who would you say is uh, someone you look up to when it comes to preaching? Yeah. So I have a lot of people I look up to um, when it comes to preaching but I will mention two people that I consider to be personal, well, three people that are personal mentors in my life and mentors in my ministry. Of course, the first would be my pastor, right? And so um, my pastor always has the right to speak into my life. And so I always welcome that. Now, I have a very encouraging pastor, so I don't get you know, beat up a lot. And, and yeah. I'm thankful for that. But if he needs to, he knows that he can. And, right. uh, and so definitely my father, my pastor, I've all, I've watched his ministry my whole life and it's been true. It's been tried and it's been true. Mm -hmm. And I can always lean on that. Um, brother Joe Campitella is somebody who was introduced into my life when I, uh, was 20, 20 years old. Uh, I'm 30, 31 now. And so he came and he preached a revival for us in 2011. And um, man, he just, we had 40 people get the Holy Ghost. Wow. And he told me, um, he told me something I'll never forget. And we became friends. And um, every once in a while, I'll call him and I say, Brother Campitella, um, I'm dealing with this. Can you help walk me through this? Have you ever been through this? And he'll help me. And um, he told me one time, he said, and I've shared this on the, the Noteworthy podcast, so forgive me for repetition here, but um, he said, Nathan, always preach the gospel as if they've never heard it. Never preach the gospel assuming they've heard it. And the first message I ever heard him preach was, I will never get over the gospel. And so that just really stuck with me that anytime you're preaching the Bible, especially as a youth pastor, if you get up 
Okay, the worst thing that a youth pastor can say is, we all know the story, right? David and Goliath, he gets the sling, he throws the rock. That's the worst thing you can say. Mm. Because most of the time, not everybody in that room knows that story. And when you assume they know it, they never learn it. And mm. so I approach um, the pulpit that way. I'm, I approach every pulpit that way. Um, I do not assume that people in the room uh, know the story that I am telling out of the scripture. Um, so it would probably be somewhat awkward for me if I preached like a, uh, like a, a conference that was all preachers and they all actually probably do know the story because I am so used to preaching to sinners and to saints and, and people that have never been to church before and half the room's been in church their whole life. The other half's been in church for a whole minute and a half, you know? So, right. You know, I just don't assume anything. So brother Campitella, man, he really ministered to me, reached into my life. Brother Victor Jackson would be another one. Um, who's spoken into my life many times, many times he has spoken into my life. And then Brother L.J. Harry, who, when you look at his preaching ministry, is mm-hmm. probably the exact opposite of somebody like the, the couple people that I just mentioned, very different preaching style than them. He's uh-huh. a storyteller. He loves to tell jokes. Um, but when he gives the altar call, bro, man, I mean, it just... He's, he's a master at it. Absolutely. And so he's somebody I looked up to for a long time. And then now God has so blessed me to call him friend. And so um, I would say those are just a few. There, there's so many more, man. But those are th- three or four people that speak into my life, even outside of the pulpit. And so um, that always means a lot to me. Um, and I will say this, my bro, Frankie Taylor, <laughs> Most people know him as a singer, but Frankie is a preacher, bro. Frankie, Yahweh, Yahweh coming out is, <laughs> come on, somebody, <laughs> Yahweh. And so, by the way, <laughs> Frankie is a preacher, man. He can preach, and he's one of my favorite preachers. That is and awesome. uh, I'm looking forward to seeing that side of his ministry even more so because he's anointed, bro. He's an yeah. anointed preacher of the gospel. So I love seeing that side of, of him as well. But there's so oh. many I could talk. And Rachel can bring the word. Don't let it, her. <laughs> she's so peaceful and calm and beautiful. But when she walks to the platform, man, and she starts speaking a word, the anointing flows. Do oh, not underestimate awesome. what God's going to do. People tease with me when I lead with Rachel because when she starts going, when she's like, I speak the name over this place. And <laughs> I just step back. I'm like, it's about to go down. You know what I mean? Cause she's exactly. anointed. She's anointed, awesome. man. So, um, man, man, all you men out there, make sure you wear, you make sure you marry an anointed person Come that on. you can count on, uh, with things like that. And hey, man, praise <laughs> God. Um, but yeah, that's just a few of people that speak into my life all the time. Yeah, that is awesome. So you have, you know, Victor Jackson, um, you know, note wise, Victor Jackson, he goes up and preach, has no notes, which still is Mm -hmm. mind blowing to me. Uh, You have someone like LJ Harry, who has, you know, very, he has guidelines of notes. Mm -hmm. He's very word for word a lot of times. And then you also have kind of in between Matthew Tuttle, which talked about on your podcast, how he has color coding, which is really, Mm -hmm. really cool. Um, yeah. So what is your note taking strategy? Yeah, it's a great question. And I love it when people ask that because I feel like that's where most people are at. You know, like right. a lot of people listening to this podcast are looking for answers like that. And so I will say that there's no right way and no wrong way. It changes right. for every person. Mm-hmm. Um, Victor and people like Landon Gore and Victor Jackson, guys like that, they can get up and they can do that because, first of all, they're anointed. And secondly, they have like insane memories. Right. So I am not gifted with a with a good memory. 
So I can study something out, and my memory will not serve me well when I am in front of a crowd of people. Now, musically, bro, I can remember everything in front of a crowd of people. Right. And I, that's just that's just a God thing. That's just a God thing because I, I can get up and I can retain all that stuff. But um, when it comes to preaching, I prepare notes in a way that if you read it without hearing me speak it, it would probably make sense to you. It would be almost like reading a story. And that's how I prepare my notes. Um, usually my process will be, I'll have a, a journal with a, you know, a pen and I'll just start writing down everything that God's been downloading into my spirit, or I'll type it on the notes app in my phone. Right. And I'll just start to write down things that God's speaking to me. Hey, this, this story, this thing that happened with, with Judah, you know, um, this God spoke to me through that, I, that could minister to somebody, which happens to me all the time. My kids mm -hmm. minister to me all the time. <laughs> and so I'll just go write it down. I'll say, um, Judah did this today and it reminded me of Christ and yeah. I'll, I'll go write it down. And, um, after I have that jumbled mess of thoughts, then I'll sit down usually on my laptop because I type much faster than I write by hand. Um, and I can also read typing a lot easier than I can read my handwriting. <laughs> so I'll sit down and I'll start to organize it. And there's two things that are in just important to me when it comes to keeping my focus right. when I prepare. Um, the first is I want to know what text I'm preaching from. Like I want to have a scripture and verse, you know, I'm preaching on uh, the spoken word of God, the power of the spoken word of God. So I'm preaching from Genesis one, you know, in the beginning, you know, in the beginning, you know, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm speaking on uh, the spoken word of God. And so I'll try to know where am I preaching from? And that will be my main focus of study. And then as I study that, God will begin to lead me to other scriptures in his word that correlate with that. Right. But I know that the the body of this is this passage, Genesis 1. And so that's where people have to be careful is you don't ever want to get up and not know what you're preaching from, right? <laughs> you, right, you, exactly. You, like when when people get up and they say I don't know what I'm preaching tonight, that does not mean they haven't studied. That right. doesn't mean they don't know the word. That means it's so instilled in them that if God brings them to that, they can go there. That's what that means. Mm. And so um, I try to study it to that point. And then also a title is very important to me because I'm just a title guy. I just love titles. I like to try to find a title that captures people's attention um, and is the core focus of what I'm talking about. So I, I had this thought today, um, when I was, it happens to me all the time, bro. And you can just <laughs> tell, I, I love the word of God. And so I'm not like looking for illustrations. I feel like they look for me and I'm just like, praise God. And something will happen. And I'm like, <laughs> that's so cool. And, um, I was driving down the, the road today and I was listening to a podcast and somebody said, when in Rome, do as the Romans do, which is an idiom, which means, um, you know, when you're around people, you know, and around that culture, just experience what they experience and do what they do. Mm. And I thought, what a powerful thought it would be to preach when in Rome, don't do what the Romans do, because mm. Jesus went in and he turned the Roman Empire upside down. Right. The Romans crucified him because he would not do what they do. Exactly. And I thought, what a what a what a neat way to tie in when in Rome. You know, take something that people know, something that relates to them, mm -hmm. and then turn it towards the word of God. And so um 
and then just let the word of God do what it's going to do, man. And yeah. so I'm always just looking. Uh, my ears are always open. My eyes are always open. And uh, I think it was Brother Scott Graham who said, somebody asked him, how do you get all those great illustrations, brother? And he <laughs> said, I just, they're just all around me. They're in the morning sunrise yeah. when I get up. They're in the evening um, it's in the trees when the birds sing. It's in it's in my kids when they come and lift their arms and say, "Would you hold me?" You know. Yeah. Um, it's everywhere. God is speaking to us everywhere. It's like if the rocks, you know, if you won't cry out, the rocks will cry out. Like right. nature is singing His praises. So everywhere you look, you're just you're looking for what God is doing in that moment. And so a title. I want to know where my scripture's at, and then I always, um, when I preach, um, I'll prepare my notes in a very simple format that's just for that message, and then I will download that, and I will pray. And yeah. that download, I don't mean spiritual. I mean, I'll download it on my iPad. <laughs> <laughs> I'll download it on my iPad, and then I will go back later. Um, with my Apple Pencil, right, and I will start to write down things that are just for me that wouldn't make sense to anybody else reading those notes. So mm. I'll be like, the time Eugene got the Holy Ghost in the altar, and I'll write mm. that there. And I'll say, okay, the story about Judah drawing a cross with chalk on the sidewalk, and I'll write that there. And I'll make little notes that are not on my typed document that are just for me. And those are things that I can, I don't need notes for. They're, they're downloaded in me. Yeah. And so I have found that when I do that, when I prepare like that, I don't need my notes a whole lot because I've prepared for it. I've written it out. I've thought about it. And so right. it just helps me structure what God's going to do. And if I, sometimes I don't even use the notes like I thought I would, right. but I know, I know they're there. And so that's how I do it. I'm not a good memory guy. I'm a, I'm more of a, a, a moment guy. I, I've, I've got to write down those moments and make sure that I can recall them so that I can, if I can't recall them, I can't communicate them. Hmm. And so I want to make sure that I can bring it back to my mind where the, where God gave it to me and that I can communicate it because to be a good preacher is to be a good communicator. It doesn't matter how smart you are or how intelligent you are if nobody understands what you're saying. Right. You, yeah. If you didn't communicate the word to the congregation, then <laughs> we've we've failed. That means that right. we tried to impress instead of to minister. Mm. And that's where we have to be careful that to never go down that that road of Right of being an impressionist. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. That is awesome. That is amazing. What great advice for anyone who's just starting to preach or any type of preaching whatsoever, whether, whether it's P7, TMI, uh, yeah. you can start now. So no matter what age you are. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, you have all these structured notes, but sometimes things could go wrong even with yeah. the notes. So what's been sure. like a funny moments that's happens while preaching if you have yeah so man i have a lot of good funny moments in preaching that uh probably one of my nightmares would be um when i got up to preach and my notes were on my ipad and i opened my ipad and my ipad had the little flashing uh battery, you know, saying that my iPad was, was dead. That was, a, that was a rough moment <laughs> in my life. Um, so God, uh, God helped me through that one. And that was an, an example of how thankfully I had really studied out what God wanted me to say. And so I was able to, to deliver it, you know, but, um, that was a, that was a tough one. Um, I was preaching one time and I had a, uh, a watch on it was before I had an Apple watch and I was kind of banging on the, the pulpit. I was like, praise God. And I hit the pulpit. <laughs> and when I hit the pulpit, 
it hit my watch band and my <gasps> watch like flew off of my wrist. Oh. And uh, the watch like flew across the congregation. <laughs> and I looked over and I was like, God's trying to tell me not to worry about the time. Praise God. <laughs> so, you know, sometimes you just say horribly awkward things, you know, oh, yeah. and you're just, you're just trying to reach people, you know, and it happens. I will, I will say this. Um, and I know this is a more serious note than the question wants to go, but, mm-hmm. um, you have to learn not to take yourself too seriously And a lot of times when you're so embarrassed and you think people care and they're just going to hold on to that the rest of their life, most of the time they're like, what are you talking about? I didn't even notice that. (laughs) You know, we just build things up so much in our mind and people just don't care like that. Like, it's not all about you, bro. Like everything doesn't revolve around you, you know, just do what God wants you to do. And so that's, that's a big thing. And then also we have to be careful, um, not to take the blame when things don't always go like we planned because then we'll take the credit when it does go well. You know, when, when you preach a great message and, and people respond really well, you shouldn't be taking the credit for that. And so if you're, if you're prone to take the blame when things don't go like you want them to go, then you'll also be prone to always take the credit anytime things go good. And so God wants to put us, in that middle ground of saying, you know what, God gets the glory here and he's going to do what he wants to do. And so whatever that is, that's what I want. And uh, usually only prayer and humility and relationship with God can, when you know your relationship is in him and your affirmation is from him, Mm. you don't have to worry about impressing people. Right. You're more worried about impressing him. Mm, and okay. so when when you get into that mindset, you know, you can preach and hey, nobody cried, nobody prayed, nobody clapped, nobody worshiped. And if I heard from God and I said what he wanted me to say, and I did what I felt like this was where the need was, I ministered to the need. Right. Then I can walk away and go, Me and God are good. He spoke to yeah. me. You know? I'd That's much awesome. rather that then get up and do it my way and everybody clap and go home and go, God, I'm sorry. I didn't do what you wanted. I just, they were hype. I just, you know, I had to get, I had to give into that hype. They were ready. They wanted that. Mm. I'd much rather deal with uh, disapproval from people than disapproval Mm. from God any day of the week. Right. Exactly. That's important. That's very good. Okay. So what has been a powerful moment while preaching? One of, you know, as I choose a favorite, but what's been one of, a, one of you know, many, I'm sure, powerful moments while preaching or even, you know, we're about to get into music ministry while singing as well. Yeah, absolutely. Man, I have just so many, but my mind, of course, goes to, to a few and I'll just mention one here, but I, I had a really powerful moment when I was, I was really young. I was only I was only 20 years old and I was um, still very much learning, still very much am learning every day. And um, I remember that um, I was preaching and I was preaching on faith and miracles and that, that God could do a miracle. I was preaching on the woman with the issue of blood who was pressing through the crowd to touch the hem of uh, Jesus's garment. And right. Um, there was, it was kind of a tight room. They, it was, it was a little awkward, you know, it was one of those services where it was, it was tight, but it was right. Like it was one of those right, things, exactly. your affirmation was definitely coming from God and from nobody else. <laughs> and so I was preaching and, um, there was this woman there and I said, if you need a miracle, you know, you ought to lift your hands. And I remember this out of the whole crowd it was a pretty big crowd about it was about 200 people there. And she mm-hmm. got up and she said, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. I mean, she mm-hmm. screamed it, bro. It wasn't chill like that. I spared your ears, but she screamed it. And everybody just kind of looked at her like she was crazy. And I remember like this Holy Ghost boldness came over me. 
and said that if if y'all would worship like her, you would get a miracle like she's going to get today. Ooh, and mm. I didn't even know what she needed. I didn't know she needed a miracle. I just knew she was acting like she needed one. Right. And when she did that, something broke in that service. I've referenced this story many times. The atmosphere changed. People started speaking in tongues. Miracles mm. started happening. Um, wow. People started repenting and crying out to God. The whole atmosphere changed. She broke that thing wide open. And it taught me something about worship and faith. And that is that faith is contagious and worship is contagious. Yeah. It spreads fast. And it only takes one person to spread it. And mm. once it spreads, it goes like wildfire. And so um, I called the pastor and I said, that woman last week when, when, when I was preaching, that woman that stood up and she, she shouted what was going on with her. He said, that woman who stood up had has dealt with an issue of blood her entire life and the doctors have never been able to help her. Wow. And when she went to the doctor after that service, she had been completely healed. She'd gone her <laughs> whole life with that disease, that oh, illness, Lord. that ailment, and she was completely healed after that. And man, I'll just, I don't think I'll ever forget that moment of what, what God showed me uh, that man, you know, we could have, we could have missed that if we had got into self-affirmation and, right. and affirmation from people, we could have missed all that seeking our own kingdom. But because, because we're seeking his kingdom and we're willing to do things that are uncomfortable, you know, right. it's not uncomfortable to get up and shout in front of a bunch of people that aren't shouting. It's not comfortable to do that. Right. Nothing about getting a miracle is comfortable, but I've learned that if you can push people just past where they're comfortable, mm. usually that's where the miraculous is at. It's wherever you're comfortable at, there's no miracles there. But right. if you can press past that, like look at look at uh, the the people in the Bible. There's there's a blind man, and Jesus says come to me. He makes the blind man get up and walk to him, knowing that he can't see, because yeah. God wants to push him past his comfort zone, which mm -hmm. is his beggar's mat that he's been sitting on his whole life. And he's saying, get up and come to me, because you won't get to see me if you stay over there. Right. And so the blind man's eyes were opened. He got to see Jesus because he stepped out by faith, out of his beggar's mindset, out of people telling him to be quiet. And so, you know, if you want, uh, you know, when, when you look at uh, the woman with the issue of blood, Jesus is on his way to, uh, to Jairus's house. He's on his way to do a miracle. And and he's passing by. And it's such a beautiful depiction of the miraculous that you can let Jesus pass you by. If yeah. you're willing to let him keep walking, he'll go, he'll keep walking to the next person that wants the miracle. He'll go to Jairus's house. He's he's already got something he's going to do. Exactly. But if he sees somebody with faith who will press through the crowd then that's where the miraculous happens. And usually when there's just one, something will break open. It's like it's like Paul and Silas were the only ones singing in the prison, but everyone's bands got loosed. So yeah. there, there's something that happens. It says everybody's door swung open. Yeah. Last time I checked, the other jailers weren't singing. They weren't praising. <laughs> it only took a couple people to be obedient to what God was doing. Right. And um, man, that was a powerful moment I'll never forget. And and I try to believe God for that every time you, you walk to a pulpit. Just trust God for what he wants to do. Sometimes it's not always like that. Sometimes he's ministering to uh, 
a deep emotional need. It's not going to be something on the surface. It may not always be something that you can call and say, the doctor said this. Sometimes it's not like that. And so you just have to trust him with what he wants to do. Yeah. Wow. I feel something. That is amazing. Mm. That is that is awesome. I hope you feel the same thing in Jonesboro than I do in Atlanta because Man, that is we're an amazing, it, amazing word. Um, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. But yeah, that's good. That's all I can say about that one. <laughs> Man, praise God. He's a good yeah. God. And when he does things like that, you just have to step back. And sometimes God waits until he knows he'll get the glory. So he'll eliminate he'll eliminate every other option and he'll wait. He'll let things get worse because when the miracle comes, he wants to make sure no man can get glory for that. And that's why a lot of times the greatest miracles aren't when the music's blaring and not when everybody's hype. It takes somebody that will get down to that point where God's the only one who's going to get the glory for this. It can't be based off emotionalism. It can't be based off the right song or the right bridge or the four, five, six, three chord progression that brings everybody to the the glory (laughs) room, you know? And sometimes he just has to say, you know, it was nothing else. It was me. And, and those are the moments that, that really mean the most to me in my relationship with God. 